Hebrews 2, 5 to 18. Just follow along as I read it, please. It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come about which we are speaking, but there is a place where someone has testified. What is mankind that you are mindful of them, a son of man that you care for him? You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. In, in putting everything under their feet, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to them. But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters in the assembly, and I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here am I and the children God has given me. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human and in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. It's surprising how much of the New Testament uh, speaks of Jesus coming into the world without telling the Christmas story. And uh, you find it in almost every book of the New Testament, the importance of Jesus becoming a human and coming into this world. And uh, the book of Hebrews, uh, that is important for the book of Hebrews. And the book of Hebrews is written to Jewish Christians who are thinking of leaving the faith because they are getting pummeled. And uh, they think it was easier being Jews. And uh, maybe we should leave Christianity behind and go back to and just be Jews again and uh, just have that as our religion. And so uh, the Apostle Paul or one of his disciples, uh, writes the book of Hebrews to say you cannot abandon Christianity because Jesus Christ is really the key, and he's the key to what God is doing in the world, and he's the key to what God is doing with men, and that's what the whole book is about. And in chapter 2, just after he says, we must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. For if the message spoken by angels was binding, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? This salvation first announced by the Lord was confirmed to us by those who heard him. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? And so in this chapter, uh, I have three reasons for you why Jesus Christ had to become a human being. Uh, number one, Jesus became a human to experience death 
for everyone. Became a human to experience death for everyone. Verses 5 through 8. Sorry, verses 5 through 9. It's not to angels he subjected the world to come about which we are speaking, but there is a place where someone has testified. He knows who, know, he knows who that is, and he knows where it's found. But it's his way of emphasizing it. Who said it? Hmm. What if, what if I told you it's in the Psalms? Who's the most likely writer? David. Okay, that's who it was. <laughs> King David in the Psalms, Psalm chapter 8. Well, they know who it is, and this is, this is his way of someone somewhere. And they're going, wait, who, who said that? Oh, King David said it. King David talking about someone to come. And notice what he says. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him, you made him a little lower than the angels, yet you crowned him with glory and honor and put everything under his feet. And so he says, you've made, you've made human beings to be less than the angels, and yet you've really given them more glory than the angels because humanity is supposed to have the universe as theirs, to rule the universe, to rule the world, and that is humans, that, that, that is why he made humanity. But it hasn't happened, and it's not happening. And he talks about that. In putting everything under him, God left nothing that is not subject to him, yet at present we do not see everything subject to him. But we see Jesus. Jesus, he was made a little lower than the angels. He's made into a human being. Now, I, I wrote down, I go, angels seem to have tremendous advantages over human beings. Now, I don't know what all those advantages are, but it seems, I, I, would, I, would, I would guess that. It seems to me that they live a long time. The Bible doesn't really talk about it. I, I think they live a long time. In fact, I don't know if angels die or can be killed. I don't know that. But it seems like they live forever. They seem to be able to take on human appearances. They can walk around. They can eat. They can be invisible. They can go and see God if they want to. And I, I wrote down, I said, I actually don't know that because they are messengers and servants of God. So I don't know if they can just go, you know something, I want to go see God. I don't know if they can do that or if they have to wait for their break. Of course, I don't know if they get a break. But whatever it is, it seems like they're, they're so much better than we are. And Jesus was made lower than the angels. He was made a human being. And human beings have problems. All kinds of them. Jesus took that. We see Jesus made a little lower than the angels. But now we see Jesus crowned with glory and honor. He ascended into heaven and he is, set, he is now seated at the right hand of God. The best place in the whole universe. He's reigning with God. That's as good as it gets to sit at God's right hand. That's Jesus, crowned with glory and honor. Why? Because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Why was Jesus Christ exalted? Because he suffered, and he suffered death. By the way, this is written to people who are suffering. And part of the message to these suffering Jews are that we've got a Savior who also suffered and shared life the way we have life. He suffered death. In fact, he tasted death 
for everyone. He tasted death for everyone. Uh, when we were in Uganda, and I, I, I should go someplace every year just so I can have illustrations. And we went to uh, we went to Daniel Daniel's mom's house in Uganda, and she had a feast for us. And she must have had ten different dishes on the table. And so we went, and we took a little bit of each dish. I want to taste everything, but I want to be careful <laughs> in case I don't like it. So we're taking a little bit of everything, and the Africans all see Joanne and my plate, and they start to laugh. And they go, oh, you're such mazunga, which means white people. You're such white people. You just take a little bit of everything. Ha, 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 ha. That's so funny. Well, we're glad to amuse you. <laughs> we're just being careful. We want to taste it, but we're not sure. Uh, she had cooked a fish, a fish for us. They catch fish fresh in Lake Victoria, so they do have a lot of fish. And she had simply cut the fish up, and they wanted me to take the head of the fish. That's, that's the best part. That's the delicacy. And so they thought, uh, Pastor Dave, like we've got the head of the fish there for you. And I said, no, that's okay. Uh, I don't need to have the head of the fish. And so someone else took it. Well, here's, here's how you eat the eyeballs, and here's how you, here's how you eat the brains. And, uh, oh, it's the best part of the fish. Um, you taste food to experience it. And so when it says he tasted death for everyone, he actually experiences death for us. And I was thinking about that. I was wondering, well, what does death really taste like? And death does not taste good at all. It tastes terrible. In fact, Jesus shows us that as he tastes death on the cross. And we find out that it's terrible and excruciating and full of agony because it has the taste of sin to it. The taste of death is terrible when you die in your sin. But Jesus tasted death for us so that we never have to taste that. And we never have to experience it. So all the danger and the terrible things about death, he has taken away. So now death becomes a blessing for us who know Christ because he's taking away the sting of sin and he's removed the consequences of our sin. And so now all those terrible things about death have been removed. Jesus Christ became a human being so that he could taste death and we never have to taste the terrible death, the terrible taste of death such as loneliness and God's displeasure and hopelessness, the glee of the devil and eternity apart from God. Never have to taste those things. Jesus said, the one who believes in me will not see death. Or John 11:25, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he be though he were dead, yet will he live. And whosoever lives and believes in me will never die. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Will never die. Will never taste that death. That's why Jesus becomes a human being. Number two. Jesus became human to be part of a human family. Verses 10 through 13. In bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything should exist, should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering, both the one who makes men holy 
and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers. In the presence of the congregation, I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here am I and the children God has given me. Jesus became human to be part of a human family. Some of the old church fathers used to say that Jesus became human so that we could become divine. He took part of our nature so that we could take part of the divine nature. Um, I love these uh, quotes from the Old Testament. I will declare your name to my brothers in the assembly. I will sing your praises. Quote from Psalm 22 about the res- I mean the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. I love that. I will declare your name to my brothers. In the assembly, I will sing your praises. He says that's Jesus. Jesus Jesus became a human so that he could say, these are my brothers. Or the the next text, I I like that one too, from Isaiah chapter 8. At one point, the prophet Isaiah shows up and he's prophesying to the nation. And he goes, here am I, and the children God has given me, Shear Jashub and Meher Shalal Hashbaz, the two children of Isaiah. He goes, here we are, here are my children God has given to me as a sign for the nation. And, and he says, Jesus says the same kind of thing. Here am I, and the children God has given to me. Jesus is like your dad. That's why he became a human so that he could stand up and says, here's the family that I have and that I have, I've brought into the family of God, along with me, John 1.12. But as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the children of God, even to those who believe on his name, children of God, children of Jesus Christ. Finally, number three, Jesus became human to break the power of death. Verse 14, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. Notice we have flesh and blood, so he has to have flesh and blood. Why? So that he can die and destroy the one who holds the power of death, that's Satan. How does he hold the power of death? By getting you to sin. Destroys your eternal life. We sin, the devil laughs. That's great. He is the ultimate Grinch. (laughs) Loves our sin. And loves it when we die in our sin. That's so wonderful to him. He frees those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it's not angels he helps but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way. In order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest to God, that he might make atonement for the sins of the people, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. He became a human to break the power of death by paying for our sins on the cross. He makes atonement as a faithful high priest for our sins. By the way, 
the writer of Hebrews picks up on those last two verses, and that is then what he talks about for the next few chapters, Jesus Christ as this great high priest. One of the uh, highlights for me on the trip to Uganda was uh, the Sunday when I got to go to the local soccer game. And uh, I was a little afraid to walk down the street, but they said, no, you go ahead. The soccer game will start at 2. Joanne and I went at 2. The soccer game wasn't starting at 2. They said it's going to start at 4. So I went back at 4.30. It started at 5.15. (laughs) And the soccer game takes two hours. It was starting to get dark by the end of the game. Anyways, I went because three of the kids from the orphanage played on the village soccer team. And uh, two or three other kids that we had met also played on the soccer team. So I'm there, and I'm sitting with the team. I'm the only, I'm the only white person out of 500 people at the game. And uh, the visiting team, which was from a visiting village, uh, they came, and uh, they scored a goal first. And when they scored the goal, it was mayhem. All of the visiting fans ran onto the field, and they rushed the guy who scored the goal. And uh, it, was, it was just craziness. It took like five minutes to get everything back in order. They were just so excited that they had scored a goal. Well, I was a little upset. My team was losing. Later in the game, second half, a penalty was called on the other team. We got a penalty kick. They didn't even wait for the kick the village rushed onto the field. (laughs) So excited that they had a penalty kick, they all rushed onto the field. took like 10 minutes to get everybody off the field so they could take the penalty kick. We kicked the goal. I was cheering. This is so wonderful. Everyone was excited. About five minutes left in the game, the other team got a penalty kick. Their fans all rushed onto the field before the kick. But our goalie stopped the kick. So it ended up a tie, it ended up a tie game. But it was funny that uh, here I am, I'm a visitor, yet I've got a team. And I'm rooting for the team, and I'm excited about them, and I'm interested in what they're doing, and I want to see my team do well, especially the kids from the orphanage who I'd met two weeks before. This is my team. I'm going for them. That's what Jesus is doing when he became a human. He's joined a team. And uh, he is rooting for a team. And he's for that team. And that's why he became a human being, so that he could join this team and we could all be in it together. Uh, One of the highlights of my trip, I actually got to sit with the team through the whole game. Wonderful. Wonderful. And uh, Jesus Christ became a human being so that he could be a part of the human team and uh, so that he could lead this team to God and he, could sh- he, took on, he took on death so that he could share everything that we had gone through. Uh, you need to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ so that all these benefits can be yours, so that your sins can be forgiven, so that you can have eternal life, so that you can be part of God's family. In conclusion, uh, We started the service singing, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. And we're going to sing the old carol, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day, in just a second. 
And many of you know that this was written during uh, the Civil War. Longfellow wrote it. Um, he was different than the average poet. He was quite wealthy, and he was quite popular within his life. Everyone was reading his stuff and buying his material, and he was doing well as an artist. But the Civil War began 1860. And in 1861, in that uh, beginning of the war, his wife's dress caught on fire. And Longfellow tried to put out the dress and tried to put out the fire. Uh, he was too late, and his wife died from the fire. Longfellow himself was burned, and so he had a beard for most of his life, just to cover up all the burns that were on his face. And in 1863, he would not allow his son to join the army. But in 1863, his son ran away from home and joined the army. And uh, later that year was severely injured. Um, he was lucky to be wounded, probably saved his life. But sometime in 63 or 64 at Christmas time, as he was thinking about all these things, he wrote this carol, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. You could hear the Christmas bells. And near the end of the song, he writes this, In despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. One of the, one of the, one of the verses not in your carol. Then from each black accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south, and with the sound, the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It was as if an earthquake rent the hearthstones of a continent. But then he came to that last verse, and he said, no, there is hope. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men. Sometimes we ask, where is God? Where is justice? Why is such terrible things happening in the world? What is happening? And Christmas time reminds us there is peace on earth, goodwill to men. It is coming, and it is coming with the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. God does not sleep. He is awake and he's bringing his kingdom to us. And he's doing that through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is sitting at the right hand of God right now, waiting for God to put everything under his feet. And God will do that. Let's pray.